0: Hey everybody, Easter is right around the corner. That's right. This year, Easter is Sunday, March 31st. So hop into some serious savings with 20% off pickup orders now through March 30th. Use promo code SPRING20 to save on all the things you need to build baskets they'll love at CVS. Find trending beauty buys, chocolate bunnies, delightful toys for kids, and so much more. Visit cvs.com Easter for details.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. No Nonsense. Let's get down to business. Bryant, there's Jerry. <laughs> What's going on with this thing rolling? And again, it's me, Josh. Put the three of us together, you get stuff you should know. The late 2018 edition, <laughs> which is tense. It's
2: Josh, Dr. Nonsense Clark. Mm-hmm. You have a degree in
0: nonsense. That's true. And a little, I have a minor in tomfoolery. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. How you doing?
2: Uh, I'm well. How are you?
0: Good. Sorry to clear my throat. I had a little garlic chicken, and it really kind (laughs) of attacked my mucous membrane. (laughs) It's fall, Chuck. Yeah. Halloween's almost here.
2: Man, it's finally, like, cooling off a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know. It's been a hot one.
2: Although the sun is still blazing hot.
0: Yeah, in the sun. If it's in the shade, maybe after sundown and the wind's blowing. Big def. You're, you're in there. It's fall time. Yeah, for real. I'm we... wearing my boots. Oh, nice. Got a flannel shirt on. I might as well be on a hayride. Wearing
2: my Pumas, mm-hmm. my my favorite murder shirt.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's a great shirt. The toxic masculinity ruins the party again. What a great shirt.
2: Yeah, they actually follow through with mm-hmm. great show quotes mm-hmm. and put them on T-shirts smart. and sell a ton of them.
0: That's smart. Yeah. That's the way to do it. We try. The key is selling a ton of them.
2: That's right. And having the good quotes. I feel like we, we ran out of good quotes seven years
0: ago. That is not true, <laughs> Chuck. Watch this. You ready? Uh-huh. showtime.
2: What do you think? That's good. How about this? There's no business like show business. Oh, that's (laughs) a good one, too.
0: You could write a song out of something like that.
2: It's not show friends. It's show business. (laughs)
0: Right. Well, look, wait, wait. Before we start, Mm -hmm. I want to address the 10 people who are still listening at this point. (laughs) I would like to announce the birth of my new website. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's called thejoshclarkway.com. How much did it weigh? Uh, It weighed nothing because it's a website. (laughs) But there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into its um, gestation and delivery. And Uh our friend, Brandon Reed, uh, who's such a great guy and a listener on the podcast, um, put it together through his business, Innovate, with an E built this awesome website it's super 80s super poppy i'm very proud of it and i'm starting a newsletter just to celebrate the whole thing
2: and it's called the josh clark way did you look it up just now i'm trying but it's not loading
0: oh what we're cutting all this part out anyway
2: <laughs> oh wait here we go isn't it beautiful well it's still loading my yeah. it's because of my old phone it's not because of your
0: i appreciate that
2: my my phone just can't handle your
0: website my web there's <laughs> so much to my website it's like oh there you are yeah the Josh Clark Dot com. <laughs> and um, I also want to say, Yumi helped me with the site, too. So big ups and thank you to Yumi and Brandon for helping me put this thing together. So anyway, I just wanted to say, welcome website. Oh, I got a new fun thing to do. To hang out on my website? Sure. Sign up for the newsletter, too, while you're there. <laughs> oh, this is great. Okay. You I'm cl- ready? I'm glad I have this in my life now. You ready to get started? Maybe I'll get a website one day. You should get a website. It's like the new thing. Everybody's getting one. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Chuck, we're talking fall here, Mm -hmm. which means there's only one word that comes to mind every fall. Pumpkins. No, the other word. Candy corn. No. Diarrhea. No. Amityville. Oh. And specifically two words, the Amityville horror, which is, for my money, one of the greatest horror movies of all time.
2: Yeah, one of the great ones. And uh, being a kid in the 1970s when this stuff was going on and Uh famous, yeah, like even as a little youngster, I remember being terrified at that paperback in the the drugstore when I would go by the paperbacks and the the look of that house just terrified me.
0: If the house looked any different, it'd be the story would have had 15 percent less. Spread Or did, did the
2: house end up looking creepy because of the lore? Like, no. It's just a colonial. No,
0: that house looked creepy. Well, yeah, if somebody if somebody didn't say this house is haunted, mm-hmm. and by the way, look at it, Right, you'd probably be like, oh, it's an interesting looking house. But yeah, you put just even the hint of a haunting to it, mm-hmm. and that house was built for it.
2: Well, it looked like it had eyes. Right. Which was one of the key things. It's a colonial, but it's one of those... Colonials that is situated sideways on the lot. Yeah. So from the street, you saw the side of the house, Mm -hmm. the chimney running down the side of the house, and those two eye-like windows on the top floor on either side of the chimney.
0: Just amazing. Yeah. It was a Dutch colonial to be specific.
2: Yeah, and if you Google Maps that thing now, first of all, it is not any longer uh, 112 Ocean Avenue. No, no. It is now 108 Ocean Avenue. That's right. Because the owners, at some point, whoever owned it, I think about two or three years ago, successfully lobbied to have the address officially changed. It took them that long to. Well, I don't know how long they had to battle, but you know, they changed it by four digits. Right. Like they'll never find us right, now, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I went and looked on the Google Images, and of course now it looks mm-hmm. it's bright and sunny and has a lovely yard, and it's mm-hmm. in the middle of a lovely neighborhood, and there's a a Chevy in the driveway, and an SUV, and it just looks like any other yeah. house. But it's still, you know, if you monkey around with Google, you can see that image. Right. And there are big signs all over, like, no trespassing. And
0: Sure. And know. they need them, believe me. Yeah,
2: people just – I feel sorry for – Homeowners since the Lutzes. Yes. I don't feel sorry for them, though.
0: No, I don't either. (laughs)
2: Because they made up a bunch of malarkey.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's one way to put it. But we'll get to that part later. All right. Sure. Let's let's set the scene here.
2: Yeah, a true horrific thing did occur there.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit or overlooked, you know? I agree. On November 13th, 1974, Ronnie Butch DeFeo Jr. killed... The um, other six members of his family, his own family, his mother, Mm -hmm. his father, his two sisters, Allison and Dawn, Mm -hmm. and his two younger brothers, Mark and John. He's the older brother. Killed his whole family.
2: Yeah, 9, 12, 13, and 18 ages. Yep. That is just, I mean, this is one of those crimes that uh, rightfully has gone down in American history as one of the worst.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, like you said, rightfully, this guy was a bad, bad dude. From the outset, he denied doing anything when he he ran into a bar called um, Henry's Bar in Mm -hmm. the little town of Amityville. I bet that place is great. And I'll bet, too. You know? And uh, he said, somebody just killed my family. And all the bar patrons were like, i got to see this. And they ran to 112 Ocean Avenue with Ronnie DeFeo, and they found all six members laying face down Mm -hmm. on their beds— dead. I think their heads, their faces resting in their, their hands. Mm -hmm. Um, and Ronnie DeFeo said it was the mafia.
2: Yeah. Which I think his family had some tie somehow to the mafia. He had
0: an uncle named Carmine and that's, that's all you need (laughs) right there.
2: Yeah. But there was one, uh, like a legit crime family that had some tie to his family. So maybe he just thought that was a good, um, an alibi or whatever.
0: Yeah. It wasn't so good.
2: No, and he killed them with a thirty-five caliber Marlin rifle. Which uh, did you look this thing up? No, it's like the 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 old west, like lever action. Oh, really? Riding on a horse, you know, cowboys and Indians kind of gun.
0: I expected the side bolt action carbine. Oh,
2: like a Lee Harvey Oswald?
0: Yes, <laughs> that's what I would. have No, thought. this is
2: like a boom,
0: boom. Oh. boom. That explains a lot because one of the big mysteries that still remains is why didn't the other family members wake up?
2: Well, that's a big – I mean I I read a little bit into the case and that's definitely one of the sticking points is – because it's not like they were all like three years old and fast asleep or Mm -hmm. something. right? I mean one of them was 18 and so this – there are a lot of variations of the story because of that, that one of the sisters helped kill the father. And then the mother freaked out, so Ronald killed her, yeah, and, like, dog. everyone was waking up. And I, I I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he just he did it all himself.
0: I also saw that he had said years, like, a year after while he was being questioned that he had drugged them all with barbiturates. But I only saw that once.
2: That would make a little more sense at least. Right. Because you can't silence this kind of—I mean, maybe you could have wrapped a pillow around it, but it, it's not like a handgun, you know? Right.
0: So he said it was the mob first, and then he said that he did it. But there is a really big caveat to that. He said that he had been hearing voices that were urging him to kill his family. Mm -hmm. And even during the murder, something was telling him to continue and just keep killing, kill them all. Uh, And he said he looked around and there was no one there, so I just assumed it was God telling me to kill. So I did. And he killed, again, his whole family. And I read this article in Vice magazine from like 2014 mm-hmm. from some guy who said he spent like five years in, in prison with Ronnie DeFeo and said finally, after befriending him over a couple of years, he finally got to the truth. And the truth was he felt like his parents treated his brothers and sisters better than him. Mm-hmm. His parents didn't like the fact that he liked PCP and LSD and heroin. Imagine that. <clears throat> so he they got what was coming to him basically and he'd do yeah. it again.
2: I mean, he... he... I don't know. This is an armchair uh, diagnosis, but clearly if his reason is uh, he liked my brothers and sisters more. Yeah. Like he's he's has some sort of serious mental issues going on. For sure. Um, but he did not want, apparently mm. his attorney talked him into uh, talking about God and voices uh-huh. because he was like, we can get you a, a, a plea of insanity. And he was like, I don't want to do that. He's like, oh, but you really should.
0: And he goes, uh, no, I don't want to do that. And he goes, well, there may be a book deal in your future if you went, claim this. He goes, ooh, <laughs> I like books. And he went, what are books again? <laughs> right.
2: And he went, they're things that make you money. And he went, He's oh. like,
0: you know how you like carve out the middle of those things and you keep your heroin and PCP in there? That's a book.
2: <laughs> uh, so a real crime happened there yeah, in this house.
0: Let's just say it was a fateful decision for him to say publicly that, a voice had urged him to kill his whole family, mm-hmm. okay? That would come into play pretty soon after that. Yeah. After Ronnie DeFeo, I believe two weeks after he was sentenced, a year after the murders, and he, he got sentenced to six consecutive life um, sentences.
2: Yeah, he's still in jail.
0: Oh, yeah, he will be forever, I would guess. Yeah, like
2: he's alive, though, was my point.
0: Right, right, you're right. Um, about a year after that, just like a year and a month after the murders, a couple named George and Kathy Lutz bought this place mm-hmm. and they bought it for a song it was 80 grand at a time when 80 grand was a pretty good deal for a six bedroom dutch colonial in amityville new york
2: yeah and so there were a couple well they were a couple with a couple of kids um well three i think 9 year old daniel 7 year old christopher at the time 5 year old missy uh-huh. um We'll we'll get to their financial situation <laughs> a little bit in more detail later. But um the thought was that George could run his even though it was kind of a lot of money for them, it was a good deal on the house and George could run his business out of the house. So mm-hmm. save on office space. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of boats. Mm-hmm. This house came with a dock. He's like I don't have to pay marina storage fees. Like you almost they almost had to buy the house, it sounded like. Uh, financially speaking.
0: Right. It was just too good of a deal to pass on. Yeah. Sure. So um, they bought the house. Did you say they were looking in the 30 to 50 range originally? I don't think so. So it was a stretch for them. But again, that's how good the deal was. Mm -hmm. Um, So they buy the house and they move in. And um, apparently, almost immediately, things started to get weird. Right? So Kathy was a Catholic. And... um, what do you do when you're a Catholic and you buy a new house? You invite your priest over to come bless the house. (laughs) Do you really? I I guess in the 70s in New York you did.
2: Well, I didn't know if that had anything to do with the, uh, I mean, did they know that the murders had occurred there and just sort of didn't care?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. And I don't know that they didn't care. Supposedly George Lutz later said that like after they said we're interested in this. When the realtor was like, "Well, let me just tell you one little detail." <laughs>
2: just six big horrific murders, right?
0: Yeah, uh, just a year ago. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we haven't cleaned up the blood yet. Yeah, seriously. Um. So, they 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 apparently took a second to think about it and talk amongst themselves. Like, right. Is that really bothers? This is such a good deal, and they said, "No, nah, the deal wins out over any superstitions we have." So yes, they knew. Um. And I don't know if they hired the, or brought the priest in because of that or just to bless the house, but they they brought the priest in to bless the house. Like you
2: can burn a little sage <laughs> yeah. or you can call in a priest. I think they had to ramp it up. Uh, they called in Father Ralph uh, Pecorero. Yep. And he came in, and this is how the story goes. And we'll just sort of tell it as it happens, Yeah, supposedly. I think that's a great idea. Before we start pooping all over it. <laughs> Um so he comes in blesses the house uh supposedly he feels uh in one room in particular a very cold chill he said even though it was winter it was shouldn't have been a, this kind of cold uh uh-huh. and he hears a strong voice a masculine voice shout get out get out <laughs> And then his car started acting weird. Apparently, the hood flew open and smashed the windshield. Doors are unlocking and opening.
0: His horn Uh, went aruga, and he didn't even have one of those kinds of horns.
2: (laughs) Uh, The car stalled. Um, And this is just the very beginning of, and if you've seen the movie, a lot of the stuff
0: that that we're
2: talking about is portrayed in the film.
0: Right. And it's Rod Steiger getting shouted at. He's great.
2: Like flies where there shouldn't be flies. Yeah. uh, crucifixes spinning, Um, what, a a pig? Uh, Well, smell of rotten eggs in this hidden room that wasn't on any blueprint.
0: The red room.
2: The pigs?
0: So there was a phantom like pig beast with glowing red eyes that would look in on the family from the outside and leave cloven hoof prints in the snow. Mm -hmm. And little five-year-old Missy would be like, oh, that's just my friend Jody.
2: Which makes it ten times scarier.
0: Way scarier.
2: Like, I would rather have my kid say, I don't know what that is. I'm scared, rather than,
0: that's just Jody. Right. <laughs> you know? Jody's been <laughs> suggesting things.
2: Um, what else? Uh, they claimed, I think the dad claimed to see uh, Butch DeFeo's face in a wall. Yep. Uh, he would wake up every every night or a lot of nights at 3.15 in the morning, supposedly when these murders took place. yeah. The kids started acting funny. <laughs> Classic movie haunting stuff.
0: Yeah. It was a, a very weird situation for them. Things were tense. They were all like, they had like hair-triggered tempers. They were all yelling at each other, um, apparently very uncharacteristically. And supposedly, George Lutz, I've seen him described as a ex-marine who was an expert in karate. Mm. Mm. Which, again, this was the 70s, so everybody was into karate back then. Sure. Elvis had a black belt. <laughs> sure. And, um... He he was like a no-nonsense kind of guy. No-nonsense, right? Yeah, like me. So he's like, what's going on? And um, he goes to the, uh, the um, local Amityville Historical Society mm-hmm. and says, I want to know everything you have on 112 Ocean Avenue. And
2: it got quiet in the room.
0: <laughs> and the guy was like, come with me. <laughs> so... He George finds out that their house is probably built on Shinnecock Indian land. that was a big one,
2: yeah, not only that, but supposedly where uh this Native American tribe used as a sick bay for the um for the mentally insane is how they put it right, um, and this is where they would just keep all of those people where they were just sort of left to die there, so it was right. haunted by them.
0: It was the kind of place where they just get dropped off, and the people would kind of back slowly away, like "Okay, take care, right, see you later." And they would die, and no one wants to be treated like that. So of course, anyone who was left to die right there on that land like that would obviously haunt the land. Mm-hmm. There was some other, there were some other legends about what was behind it too. There was like a um, as abandoned cemetery pretty straight up on the nose.
2: Yeah, there was a Salem witch uh, yeah. guy that supposedly sacrificed uh, animals.
0: John Ketchum. Yeah. And there actually was a John Ketchum who lived somewhat in the area around that time, but... lived at 108 never, Ocean Avenue. Right. He'd <laughs> never been accused of being a witch. And then I saw an interview with a guy named Hans Holzer, who's a bona fide parapsychologist. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Holzer says that it all started... In 1928 or 1905, when the original house, there was a house that was built in the 1720s that was moved. When that house was moved in 1905, Mm -hmm. it disturbed an Indian chief's grave, Native American chief's grave. And somebody played with his skull like it was a soccer ball. And he's been mad about it ever since. And that is what drove Ronnie DeFeo to kill. And that is what terrorized the Lutzes. And that's the whole problem. Everybody just calm down. That's it. Hmm. So there's a little bit of a little bit of um, peace falling into the puzzle. They're figuring it out, but it's not making anything better. In fact, everything's getting worse. Like this the stuff's getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, everything culminates on this one stormy night when their their door. Blows open, blows yeah. off of the hinges, outward into the street, I believe, or no, into the house. I can't remember which way, but blown off of the hinges. This is like a 250-pound door. Yeah. And the windows, the iconic eyeball yeah. or eye windows blow out. Some of the glass somehow blows in. It's just an enormous explosion of energy, and the family leaves. They just left the house after like twenty-eight days, supposedly. Yeah. Well, no, they definitely, they definitely left the house. Yeah,
2: but neighbors say they left in ten days.
0: Okay. Yeah, one of the two. But But that's the
2: point: is there are discrepancies all over the place in the stories. Oh,
0: we'll get to those. Yeah, we'll get to those. (laughs) But they left, and this is true: they left all of their possessions in this house and just fled. And that part is true. Never went back. Uh yeah,
2: unless they had a sneaky little moving team with a U-Haul in the dead of night. Uh, from they what? Said, I, go back and get our stuff. From we what stick I understand, to our
0: story? <laughs> their stuff got auctioned off. Yeah, it did. I mean, they left it. They they, did. they had they grabbed some clothes and they took off into of the night. And um
2: which will go on later to be one of the key uh, selling points that this really happened because mm-hmm. people that were on their side were like, why would they do that? Yeah. On just the gambit of this being a hoax that would eventually make them money. Right. Would they really leave all their stuff
0: behind? Could anybody be that foolish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's take a break and we'll find out right yeah. after this. Let's.
2: All right, so they get the heck out of Dodge. They leave. Mm-hmm. They contact a, an author named Jay Anson.
0: Oh, even before that?
2: Well, I was going to get to the attorney. Is that okay, where you're All right, going? all right, go ahead. So uh, Prentice Hall, uh, as the publisher in 1977, released The Amity of Horror, was a huge bestseller. Uh-huh. Uh 42 weeks on the bestseller list. Uh, By 1981, sold six and a half million copies. Mm -hmm. They were all over the country plugging this book. Right. And the Lutzes were household names. They were like on every talk show you could imagine.
0: I want to underscore that. In 1977, there was a family from New York who claimed to have been driven from their home by a supernatural evil force. Mm -hmm. And they were international celebrities for it. Yeah. Reason number 5 million and 80, why the 70s were just awesome. Yeah. Like, that's what you could be famous for, was saying, like, ghosts chase us out of our house. <laughs> and everybody would be like, that's a great story.
2: Should we jump ahead and talk about that attorney?
0: Yes. Great. So, <laughs> what was the guy's name? Uh, Bill Weber.
2: Yeah, this is where things get really hinky, is that Bill Weber is an attorney, and he's the one that sort of, gets every I think he's the one that saw dollar signs initially mm-hmm. and gets a team together for this book mm-hmm. and starts saying to everybody, including DeFeo, hey we can all make some money if we if we do a book here. DeFeo's got to get a cut though. Sure. The Lutzes were like, what? You're gonna pay the murderer? Yeah. And he was like, Yeah. It's my client. And they said, We're not uh we're we're not down with that plan.
0: Yes. But this came after they had formed a, basically a business relationship, but not even an attorney-client relationship, a straight-up business relationship with William Weber.
2: Yeah, like how can we make money off of
0: this? The, the way that the world heard about these things going on at 112 Ocean Avenue for the first time ever was at a press conference that the Lutzes held at William Weber's office. That was when the world was introduced to the the idea of this amedieval horror, even before the book ever came out.
2: Yeah. Um, or anyone, at least not locally.
0: Right, right. So, um, so Bill Weber and the Lutzes, they they had yeah, they had kind of like a a tentative, tenuous relationship. And when Prentice Hall came along and Jay Anson came along, I don't know if Jay Anson poached them or Prentice Hall poached them, but whoever was involved with the Amityville horror book got the Lutzes away from William Weber. And his book idea and proposal and he got cut out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Just put that in your bonnet and smoke it and save it for later. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. And supposedly left because again, they didn't want to give DeFeo a cut or they just wanted a bigger cut themselves. Yeah. Uh at this point it's a it's a it's all about money. Right. But uh jumping back or forward, <laughs> can't remember where we are in time, mm-hmm. but they're they're all over the country. All over the news. This
0: would have been about 1977, 78.
2: Yeah. They're on Merv Griffin. Uh, there's, They had a, a ghost team of ghost hunters come by from Channel 5 in New York.
0: Yeah, WPIX.
2: And had people posted in the house overnight taking mm-hmm. all these photographs. There's one now very famous photograph. of, uh, And it's creepy looking. But you take a picture of anyone in black and white in the dark right? poking their head around a corner. And it'll look creepy.
0: So let me—I want to comment on that picture. You have you seen it? Sure. It's okay. Creepy. It is creepy. Um, the the it's chalked up to some of the paranormal investigators. One of like one of the men mm-hmm. who was at that WPIX seance fest at the house, um, getting in in front of the camera.
2: Yeah, they're saying that one of uh, Paul Bart's. Okay, that it was just one of the ghost hunters.
0: So that was a grown man. Whoever's in the picture is a kid just plain as date there's no there's no confusing that for a grown man I think so, so unless I, he was had a boyish face I think it's a very bizarre picture <laughs>
2: yeah, um, I mean
0: no I, I think it's bizarre and supposedly it was taken with infrared film in the dark and again it doesn't look like a man which is was, that's
2: why the eyes are glowing
0: right so, like that explains that yeah. it's the fact that it's clearly the the face of a boy are you going under the joshclarkway.com again? No, I'm trying to find that picture again. It's clearly the face of a boy that's not a man's face. That's the thing that sticks out to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like a boy. Man, it is creepy. And also, so. so <laughs> It's got to uh, be a boy.
0: That's what it looks like to me. And it's got to be. This picture was debuted in the 1977 78 by George Lutz on The Merv Griffin Show.
2: But they could have set that up, could have been a.
0: They could have, and and we should say or whatever. You have, have you seen The Conjuring? Uh,
2: I think I've seen parts of it, but that's the real life couple.
0: Yeah, Ed and Lorraine Warren.
2: Yeah, who hooked up with these? I mean, this is where they got their start, kind of right.
0: Kind of. They they basically had like an occult museum. They were like a psychic and psychic investigators yeah, in Connecticut, like you do. And the guy uh, Marvin Scott, who was the anchor who investigated the the Amityville horror for the WPIX local channel five station yeah he invited them to come out to this seance and it was like a series of seances that they filmed and you can actually see this look up wpix news 11 marvin (laughs) scott part one and it's like a 1998 retrospective of this case and it has some of the footage from the seance but it also has an interview with george and lorraine warren and they're basically like, this was real. This is obviously real. And during these seances, supposedly the psychics started to feel sick. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Warren said she felt an evil presence from the bowels of the earth in the house. <laughs> and then that picture, that photo, that famous photograph yeah. was taken. So um, –
2: I think the Warrens are the ones too that said, why would they leave all of their stuff behind? Sure. And they also said, well, we would not be involved if this was some sort of a hoax. Right, exactly. Don't you know who we are? Proof
0: positive. <laughs> Right, yeah, but the yeah the real life Warrens were they did investigate the Amityville house in the early seventies or mid seventies early on after the story broke. Uh,
2: you also know it was the seventies because they were featured on uh, Leonard Nimoy's great show, In okay. Search of, <laughs> Love. which we both used to love, and of course they covered that in nineteen seventy nine. Supposedly got the priest on there, even though he wanted to be kept anonymous, uh-huh. and he or whoever it was. Uh, Kind of reinforced this cold room get out uh, scream.
0: Yeah, just went just double down on it. His, Pretty much, his face was hidden. And at, in the book, I think the Jay Anson book, there were three source materials that came out about this story, mm-hmm. all within a couple of years of each other. There was a Good Housekeeping article, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. There was the Jay Anson book. And and then there was a coloring book. And then there, there was the movie. <laughs> yes. And those three are like the source material for what everybody knows about the Amityville legend. But what Leonard Nimoy pointed out is that, you know, this movie was, it's huge. Everybody loves it. But what a lot of people don't know is that it's a true story. <laughs> he says it's a true story. Well, the book said it was a true story. But Leonard like Nimoy, on the cover. I just, I just. I expected more from Leonard Nimoy than that. He says, unequivocally, it's a true story. That's because that's what the script, the teleprompter said. Well, I, I, anyway, <laughs> that was a great episode of In Search Of, anyway. Yeah, so in
2: 1979, the, the mm-hmm. very famous film adaptation of this book comes out, mm-hmm. um, starring James Brolin and Margot Kidder as the Lutzes. And it was a big, big hit. Uh, $80 million in uh, domestic release, which was... I didn't do the conversion but a very good haul for 1979 one of the smash hits yeah of that year for sure
0: I think it was close to 300 million probably Oh yeah yeah good Which, money yeah I mean this is back in the time when like movies didn't routinely make a billion dollars in an opening weekend right. this is like that was a ton of cash Yeah
2: there there were a lot of really bad sequels uh, that uh, no doubt just kind of th- Throughout the whole Mm -hmm. legend of the house and just did whatever they want with that name.
0: Have you seen any of them? I haven't.
2: I haven't seen any of the sequels, nor did I see the uh, remake recently. With Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, did you see that? No. I don't remember the original movie that much. And to be honest, I don't know if I ever saw it all the way through. I mean, I was way too young to see anything like this. So it would have been...
0: It's still around. They didn't burn every copy of it. I know that's
2: the whole point, though, is I would have had to have seen this... Years and years later, I don't know that I ever did.
0: Yeah, it's worth seeing. It's a great horror film.
2: Like I've seen a lot of the parts.
0: Like James I, James Brolin's yeah. great in it. Margo I Kidder's that, wonderful that in it. Beard. <laughs> little Missy, for Jody's friend, is a little creep show. And who played Jody? Uh, I don't know who played her, but like, yeah, the kids did good. Rod Steiger was the priest. He was great. I
2: remember seeing that scene, so I've definitely seen parts of it.
0: Yul Brenner was the Get Out voice. Was he really? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like Sorry, that was kind of specific.
2: believable. Huh? <laughs> uh, they actually didn't shoot at that Ocean Avenue house, though. Um, of course, you know, with a movie like this, the lore is kind of usually not true. And the lore was that they, the crew was too scared to shoot there. Right? It's not true. They couldn't get a permit. So they shot at 18 Brooks Road, Toms River, New Jersey, and built a... Uh, a superstructure around the house to make it look like the other house. Right. Which was just like a couple hours from there.
0: Right. The the town of Amityville said, no, we don't want anything like this. No publicity like this, please. This was a tragedy. We like our quiet, sleepy town the way it is. Mm-hmm. No, we're not giving you a permit to shoot here.
2: Yes. So, um, But Tom's River was like, bring it.
0: Yeah. Nobody knows about us. <laughs> Who's Tom anyway? We don't know.
2: Why does he have a river?
0: So, uh, the movie, like you said, it was a huge smash hit, and it just like the Lutzes were already kind of household names that mm-hmm. changed everything. And that, that the Amityville horror became part of a, American popular culture, like, yeah, it was cemented into it, and it was also cemented in that this is based on a true story. Maybe the movie blew it a little out of proportion, as movies will do, yeah. but the Lutzes. Were driven from their house by an evil spirit, and a lot of this stuff was true. Isn't that nuts?
2: Yeah, and it was that period in the late seventies where, like we talked about it with the Bermuda Triangle, was a big deal, and
0: waterbeds were huge.
2: Waterbeds were big, but I feel like there was just there wasn't as much stuff. There wasn't as much content.
0: I, I so, wonder like, if that's what it were was. were just a bigger deal. Yeah,
2: like Amityville, like you said, it was part of. It wasn't just oh that horror movie like it was spoofed on Johnny Carson and it was like it was all over the place. Uh-huh. It was like part of the fabric of America.
0: But I wonder if people bought into and thought about this stuff, like you were saying, because there's like there nothing was grabbing their attention every thirty seconds. Oh, Probably. over here! Look over here! Over here! And like you could like really kind of ruminate on something and let it like stew.
2: Yeah, like now a, a show can win uh, best show. Uh, Emmy Award, and you're like, I've never even
0: heard of that. Yeah. Too much stuff. A lot of stuff out there. But is that better or worse? Um, like I feel like it's it it is true that things can just change and they're not necessarily worse or better. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that it is possible for things to get objectively worse. Now whether like they are or not right now, mm-hmm. who knows? I don't think anybody's ever lived long enough to be like, I'm a thousand years old and it is way worse these days than it was 500 years ago.
2: Now, are you talking about entertainment mm-hmm. content or just, just general
0: everything? culture, okay. everything being alive?
2: See, I think uh, cult- uh, entertainment wise, it's better because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then it was just like everyone got obsessed with Deville because it was the only thing around to sure. be obsessed with. And it wasn't even great. You know, it's but like, it was, here, just take this schlocky thing and obsess
0: over it. But you're saying it wasn't great compared to today's standards. But back then, like it was great. It was something that like you could yeah, maybe you could basically put on like a cloak and wear around for a year and really, really be into the Amityville <laughs> horror rather than. You know, like, uh, the cameraman missed that shot by, like, an eighth <laughs> of an inch. Like, that's the critical detail that people have today, and I think it keeps us from enjoying stuff like they used to be able to in the 70s. Yeah. That's what I think. It. Uh, that's my point. Plus, we were all doped up. Yeah, there's a lot of grass, but really terrible grass. That's one thing that's gotten better is the grass, from what I understand.
2: <laughs> all right, so maybe we, sh- maybe we can take a break now. And then we can start poking holes in this thing.
0: Start. Does that sound good. good? Yeah.
2: Stuff you should know. All right, so I insist we have not booked any holds yet. But well, there's been, some
0: dents in there that we've kind of <laughs> put our fingers in. I've just
2: been snidely laughing at everything we say. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah. Um but here's some of the holes and there are quite a few really, like I, yeah. I kind of mentioned before um neighbors say mm-hmm. that they left like a week and a half into their stay in this house. Mm-hmm. The Lutzes said 28 days. So uh,
0: right out of the gate you've got a discrepancy.
2: Yeah, and and the the kind of what the thinking was and still is to some people is that they couldn't afford this house. Didn't take them long to realize it, and so they cooked up this story.
0: Yeah, but imagine figuring that out in 10 days. That's a little weird.
2: Well, and I also don't know how that would get them out of their mortgage, just defaulting on it? Yeah. Because it's haunted?
0: Yeah, just walking away. Like, can't get blood from a stone. Go take the house if you want it back.
2: Yeah, but could they claim that that it wasn't disclosed if it was disclosed? Like, how could they literally get out of the mortgage?
0: I don't know, man. I think, like, I think if you... If you stop making payments, if you don't care about your credit, and sure. I'm not sure what it was like in the 70s, but if you're like, I'll take this hit for seven years on my credit.
2: Right. Just walk away.
0: And just walk away. Like, then you don't have to make payments anymore. Yeah. That's, that's what I think happened. But I I don't think that they were able to do that because they started making money from their story and everyone knew that they were making money from their story. So people wanted their money from them. Right.
2: That's Incredible, the great show from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Did you used to watch that?
0: Yeah, I watched the episode that this was on. But, but did yes. you watch it as, as a kid? Uh-huh.
2: Uh, great, great show. And it on was, this it show. Was,
0: sorry, it was really positive. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, it seemed
2: pretty upbeat. Well, it was called That's Incredible, not like That's uh, Crappy.
0: The cameraman missed that <laughs> shot.
2: And it was, I think it even had an exclamation point, didn't it? Yeah. At the end of the title. Yeah. So that's incredible. Uh, Barbara Camardi owned the house at the time of this episode, walks them through and shows, like, close-ups of the hinges of that front door yeah. and these windows that are still sealed. It was like, these things didn't blow.
0: No, she she went out of her way to make sure that everyone knew that this stuff hadn't happened. And ironically, she exaggerated the facts that the skeptics pointed to. So everybody was exaggerating their case on either side of this. But Lutz
2: also said, though, that, no, 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 there were pictures in the newspaper of that front door blown out. Have
0: you seen the picture?
2: Well, no. Like, I didn't think anyone could
0: find it. It's a screen door that's kind of, like, hanging open. (laughs) I'm not kidding. That's the picture (laughs) from what I understand.
2: All right. So it's all falling apart then.
0: Right. Right. Oh, yeah, it's all falling apart. For the Lutzes. <laughs> it is falling apart big time. <laughs> Apparently, George Lutz died in 2006, and to his dying day said that all of this yeah. was true. He said, yeah, man, the book got a bunch of stuff wrong. The movie got a ton of stuff wrong. Sure. Because um, I think the Ryan Reynolds remake of the movie was supposedly billed as this is way more um, true to the book. Oh, really? The original movie kind of created its own stuff, which is why it's viewed as one of uh, an additional source rather than just... Right. Part and parcel with the book. Um, so George Lutz would say all these people got all these details wrong, but this the stuff we said happened really happened. Part of the problem is some of the stuff that they said happened was like levitating off the bed. Right. And looking at each other going, can you believe we're levitating? <laughs> yeah. I saw an interview where he <laughs> said that in public, on camera. Yeah. Um,
2: he really, like, kudos to him for.
0: Sticking to it? Yeah, I would
2: say deathbed is the perfect time to be like, guess what, everybody? Because then everyone would be like, yeah, no,
0: no, like you guys knew. (laughs) No S. I love that this is a family show. Yeah. So George Lutz went, went to his grave saying, "No, this is this is for real." William Weber, Bill Weber, the attorney, did quite the opposite of that.
2: Well, he said, and of course. Lutz will paint this as or probably painted this as sour grapes, sure. because Weber was cut out of the money deal. But as soon as they left and and made their own book deal, he started barking that this is all BS. This is a hoax that we made up.
0: Toes. He totally did that. Um, he said that over about three bottles of wine, he and George and Kathy Lutz um, <clears throat> concocted the story out of whole cloth,
2: and then had a. Smoking night of lovemaking between (laughs) the three of them.
0: On their (laughs) waterbed. Jeez. Took a sexy turn all of a sudden. (laughs) Sure. So, um, yeah, Bill Weber, he said that, he said, hey, I was just looking to get another trial for my client who I think was innocent and insane. Mm -hmm. Um, What the Lutzes were doing was going after money. But... You can also look at it like Ronnie DeFeo was the greatest thing that ever happened to Bill Weber's career. Sure, he even said at the time, "Like I'm giving Ronnie DeFeo a cut rate because the publicity from this case is more, worth more than anything Ronnie DeFeo could ever give me." Yeah. So the idea of reviving interest in the case would probably help his his caseload as well. Who knows? The point is, William Weber hired a guy named um, Paul Hoffman, I think his name was, and he wrote the Good Housekeeping article. Yeah. And when that Good Housekeeping article came out, the Lutzes were like, you're going to scoop us? We're going to sue you for (laughs) invasion of privacy because you stole our story, which is pretty rich because they were using the courts. Uh Like, if you have a life story... And some lawyer comes along and hires somebody to write that story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an invasion of privacy. If you make that story up with said lawyer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then screw that lawyer all, over all bets are off. and he goes off his own way, yeah. yeah, using the courts for that is pretty um I don't want to say ballsy, gutsy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of lawsuits, I mean we won't go through the myriad lawsuits, but there were It felt like more than a dozen lawsuits over the years.
0: Yeah, they sued Weber. Weber sued them.
2: People were suing everyone. People were suing cops. Cops were
0: suing the family. The Crow Martys were suing the Lutzes for even making the thing up in the first place.
2: And to me, this is what is sort of proof positive that the whole thing is rotten to begin with.
0: Sure, when the lawsuits start flying.
2: Yeah, everyone had their hand out. Uh, This father Pecorero in court documents said that, you know what, I never went there and bless the house. Right. And heard this voice. I actually kind of just had a phone call with them. Yeah. And maybe, and the guy, one of their daughters yelled, get out (laughs) (laughs) in the background. But she was
0: talking to a doll, I think, and a dog, Harry. But it creeped me out (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) I always wanted to be played by Rod Steiger, so (laughs) I went for it. Uh, But
2: yeah, I mean, it just, it all sort of fell apart.
0: So there's, you know, in cases like this, people are like, well, the Catholic Church is shutting that guy up. They don't want sure. to talk about the That's truth that there are some demons here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the priest really confounds things, not because it's like, was the Catholic Church really trying to keep this quiet? Mm-hmm. More like, why did this priest lie so overtly on in search of? Well, he may have had a, some skin in the game. Maybe. Maybe so. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But the, uh, the Warren said in addition to him... You know, experiencing that in the house, it followed him throughout his life, and that he was once in a hotel room with a rabbi in Florida, and a lizard demon from the house appeared to him there. <laughs> That's the quality of quotes you can expect when you have the Warrens on your interview show.
2: I love it. Mm. I love that we're treating it in search of it as if it was this. You know,
0: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> highly
2: I'm, regarded. I mean, it was it was great, but it was schlocky TV for. 10- and 12-year-old boys in the 80s. Sure. Like, and I'm sure, I mean, that probably wasn't even the the priest. He probably just hired a guy.
0: No, no, it was. The guy who, in court documents, that was the guy on In Search Of. But they blacked his face out. Right, but I mean, like, they that's the guy. That's the guy. He was revealed later on. The All guy right. on In Search Of was revealed later on to be Father Pecorero, and the, he was on In Search of, back before anyone ever knew the name Pecorero, he was called in the book Father Mancuso. All right. But as far as I know, that is the same guy.
2: And that he was just on TV lying through his teeth.
0: That's what I saw.
2: Or he could have been just handed a script by Nimoy's team.
0: It's possible it was the 70s. And America will we'll believe anything you say. Uh,
2: a couple of years ago, actually just last year, in 2017 it was sold For about 600 grand.
0: The house. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Uh, Which is a couple of hundred less than uh, they were asking for it. They're asking around eight.
0: Isn't that crazy?
2: And apparently, it's not had nothing, the only thing it had to do with the price lowering was because of the pain in the rump to live there. Yes. And have people constantly coming by. Yeah. It wasn't like forget that there were six people murdered here. Right. Forget that this house has green ooze and flies and devil pigs. coming out of, you know, looking through the window. Right. It's The real problem is Google Earth. Right. And now people can just say, oh,
0: let's go by there and take some photos. There it is. It's at 108. They must have moved it. (laughs) That still cracks me up. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the the thing. That's why the house is still selling for less than it ever was before.
2: And the Lutz has claimed that they didn't make much money on this Mm -hmm. and that, you know, like we never got rich, and what little money we made uh-huh. kind of went out the door with court fees and legal fees.
0: It, I don't know. If that may be utterly true.
2: Who knows? Uh, it says that they did. Uh, he did admit to getting about a hundred grand from the book and another hundred from the film. that's not that much money.
0: No, but this is 1970s money. That was that was some money.
2: Yeah, but it's not like kickback and retire money. Sure, you know.
0: Sure. Um, One of the, probably the most telling thing about uh, the Lutz's story being a hoax, the whole thing being just one big hoax is that no one, no other person, owner, anybody who was associated with that house after the Lutz family left ever reported anything, even remotely supernatural like this. Nothing. Yeah. And of course, Lorraine Warren had a pretty good explanation for that. Which is what? She said, Well then obviously one of the exorcisms was successful because that's we, the we only way job. that's the only way to explain why the hauntings went away.
2: Yeah. I'm and like is it
0: that's the only way to explain
2: it, huh? <laughs> the Lutz also never called the cops. That was a big one. Which was a big hole <clears throat> people poke into it. Like if all this stuff was going on, like mm-hmm. at some point you're gonna go to the police. Right. And and even if it's ten days and not the twenty eight, you're not just gonna just quietly be haunted by the demons of hell right. and not not sweat it with a cop.
0: Sure. At least call them once and be like, you guys do anything about demons? No? Okay. <laughs> right.
2: Even if it's a, Thanks anyway. a crank call. Sure. Uh, what do you think I mean, this is getting a little philosophical, I guess, but okay. do you think what do you think about bad juju in a in a home where six people were murdered? Like I'm a I'm a totally agnostic non-believer in any uh-huh. thing like that but part of me also thinks that like if you brutally murder six people mm-hmm. there's got to be some change in the energy in the air which sounds hokey <laughs> hokier than anything i've made fun of
0: um i think so you know um what's the josh clark way <laughs> <laughs> dot com what's the uh what's the word oh placebo I think it's a placebo effect.
2: Okay, so you know that something happened here. If you didn't know anything, you would never notice anything.
0: Probably not. Yeah. I don't think that there is a change to the energy or the air or anything like that. I think there are cues that we can find where even if you didn't know, Mm -hmm. um, you could be like, oh, there's a shadow over there, something like that. And you could freak yourself out even in a house like that that you didn't know was haunted or said to be haunted. But I think if you know a house is said to be haunted, you're gonna be, you are sure. just, your brain's working overtime and you're going to produce those things that you think yeah. you see. Well, that's I totally my agree take. with that. But my my imagination is just dead and gone. Mm-hmm. So who knows? If you do believe stuff like that, then that's that's fine with me. I mean, sure, you're not hurting anybody with that. If you're taking money from people to exercise stuff like that, then I have a problem with you. But Right. um I don't think a lot of people are out there doing it. I think most people just believe one way or another, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
2: I want to know that boy is in the picture.
0: It's Jody, the pig demon. (laughs) Uh, If you want to know more about the Amityville horror, you can type those words into the internet. Actually, you can type it into How Stuff Works, and it will bring up an article by our own former own Matt Hunt. I remember that guy. He wrote the Amityville article on the uh, website. What's he up to now? Any idea? I don't know. In- he's continuing his investigation into the Amityville horror.
2: He was never heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Uh, since I said that, it's time for a listener mail.
2: I'm going to call this a follow up on the homelessness episode. We re ran that one mm-hmm. for selects. Got a better response this time.
0: Yeah, I was really <laughs> looking out for somebody, but I guess they learned their lesson or else stopped listening to us by now.
2: Yeah, well, and I set it up too because it was my pick with like, hey, this is what happened last time. Oh, right. So, you know, I dare you to write in this time. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so, this is how uh, this is from a woman who said that a homeless man saved her dog. It's a pretty great story. Uh, my sister and I were taking our three dogs for a walk down Main Street in our city one day, and we stopped to rest on a bench before heading for home. Without re- uh, realizing it, I had accidentally let one of the leashes slip out of my hand. Um, unfortunately, Safira noticed her leash was free at about the same time I did, decided to up and chase after something. Uh, my sister and I jumped to grab her, but the speed of two clumsy humans is no match for a spry young dog. She ran down the sidewalk. This is like a nightmare Mm -hmm. for me. As she ran down the sidewalk, a few pedestrians reached down to try and grab her, which frightened her enough that she ran from the sidewalk into the busy street, four lanes of traffic going in both directions, uh, sprinting to try and catch up. I watched in horror as she ran out into the street, sure I was about to see my dog get killed by an oncoming car. Uh, It was right about then that a homeless man that we had previously seen around town rode up on his bicycle right in the middle of the road, keeping himself... Uh, between my dog and the cars flying by. If it weren't for him doing that, she would surely have been run over. Uh, finally caught up, was able to catch her attention, call her, and thankfully she ran right into my arms, and I looked up to thank the hero who had saved my dog, and he was nowhere to be seen.
0: What? Wow. Was
2: it a dream? That's no. me talking. <laughs> uh, he had put himself in harm's way to save my dog's life and then just quietly ridden away when he saw that she was safe. Don't know his name, never saw him again to thank him. Uh, Safira is now 10 years old. It's because of that nameless man that she has lived to see that old age. And that is Allie from New Hampshire. That was a great
0: story. Love it. Thanks a lot, Allie. Thanks for sharing that one. See everybody, we told you. (laughs) If you want to send us an email like Allie did or get in touch with us, you can go to our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. I also have a website called thejoshclarkway.com if you want to check it out. And you can send an email to Chuck, Jerry, and me, plus Frank the Chair, guest producer all everybody. Send that email to stuffpodcasts at howstuffworks.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.